We know a good culture when we see it, but often we don't know where to start. On this episode, Ginger Hardage returns to discuss the five lies of corporate culture and how we can do better. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 426. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. And a conversation that comes up all the time amongst leaders is how do I do a better job at really honing in the culture in an organization that is going to serve the customers well, serve our employees well, and do the good work in the world that so many of us want to do. And yet, of course, culture is difficult and it's nebulous for many of us and almost I was going to say, almost none of us really received a lot of formal training in how to do this well. We've learned as we've gone, maybe we've taken a class here or there, but I think the more we can learn about really nurturing a corporate culture, the more we can thrive, not only ourselves, but more importantly, the people we serve. I'm so glad to have back on the show today someone who's just such an expert on culture and will help us to really uncover some of the the myths and lies about culture so that we can do an even better job at creating the culture that is going to help us to lead to greatness. Glad to welcome back to the show Ginger Hardage. Ginger is the former Senior Vice President of Culture at Southwest Airlines. She led a team responsible for building and sustaining the organization's legendary culture and communications enterprise, resulting in 23 consecutive years on Fortune's list of top 10 most admired companies in the world. Ginger has received numerous honors throughout her career, including induction into the Public Relations Hall of Fame, and has been named as one of Texas's most powerful and influential women. Today, she leads Unstoppable Cultures, a firm designed to help organizations create and sustain cultures of enduring greatness. Ginger, I am so glad to have you back on the show. Dave, I listen to you all the time, but to get to talk to you again, it's a privilege to be connected with you. Oh, the privilege is mine as we really do have such an amazing audience um, of people who are so intentional about this. And uh, one of the reasons I'm so glad to have you back is when you were on last time, we talked a lot about culture and we talked a lot about Southwest and how Southwest had done that. And so many people reached out and just mentioned how helpful that conversation was. And when I heard you've, you're, up to, you're up to more and more things all the time on culture, I thought, boy, this would be a great chance for us to learn a bit more from you, but also to just uncover some of the, the stopping points, I think, for, for all of us on culture. And the first lie that you've uncovered that tends to come up with corporate culture is culture is someone else's job. Tell me more about that. Uh, And I see that, especially when I go into organizations and the CEO or the COO trying to work together to change the culture or enhance the culture of the organization. And I can see it on the leaders, some of their faces. They're like, well, I'm here, but, you know, it's really the CEO's job. Well, culture isn't someone else's job. And as a leader, culture building should be part of our job description. So, If you're a leader out there listening and you have five people or you have 500 people, culture building and setting the tone for your culture 
should be a key part of your job description. And the best in class organizations realize that culture is everyone's job. It's the person at the frontline leadership where they're reaching out the customer. How are they showing the culture of our organization to those customers? So culture is everyone's job, but it's definitely a requirement for leaders. I know there's probably some people listening who are with you on that and may even recall what you said last time, which I, I loved, which is if you're going to really take on a cultural change within the organization, you need to have the top people and, and persons involved, right? That's an essential thing. And I know that there's people that they really want better for the culture. And for whatever reason, the top person or persons maybe are giving lip service to it a bit, but they're not really behind creating and defining a culture like you've talked about. Um, when you run into that, Ginger, and you're helping someone to kind of figure out, like, what can they do? On one hand, you want to have the senior leadership involved. And on the other hand, if they're not, what can an individual leader do? Well, an individual leader can begin by setting the tone and uh, starting every day focused on how they're, how they're going to change the working relationship that they have with their employees. So if, if you're a leader and you're in charge of a department, be the CEO of that department and lead, lead that organization in such a way where you're giving your employees the ability to what I call act like owners. You're equipping them with the level of information, training, and support that they can they as well can act like an owner in the organization and think how much engagement people have when they are empowered to control their particular area. So you as a leader set your employees up to act like owners and you will get noticed in your organization. And, and that might take a longer period of time, but you are definitely going to get noticed in your organization. But more importantly, you're going to enrich the lives of your employees by empowering them and allowing them to act like owners and literally bring forth a personality that you originally hired them for. You saw something in them when you hired them. It was either their empathy, it was their outgoing personality, whatever you hired them for, allow them to really rise up and use that strength every day in the organization to uh, either serve your external customers or your internal customers. What's an example of something you've seen an individual leader or maybe a small team or department do um, that, that's really been, been, been fun and practical around, uh, around just taking it at the, at the small, small perspective first? Well, one, one organization I've called out before is SoulCycle. And their CEO really does practice freedom within a framework. And allowing their employees to, uh, again, the issue I was talking about is exhibit the personalities we actually hired them for. So this female CEO, Soul Cycle, sets the overall tone for the values, but allows the employees to deliver that customer service based on what we hired them. So they lay out a basic formula for the class design, and they allow their cycling instructors to curate and produce their own workouts and playlists. And that type of empowerment really has their business soaring and they're continuing to grow. You know, they're at 60 studios in, in 10 years. So they've had a really uh, strong growth pattern. But that's what I'm talking about. And we see it at Southwest Airlines every day. If you're, 
if you're ever on a Southwest flight and you listen to the flight attendants, they're delivering a prescribed message from the FAA, but many of them take it on. They infuse their personality. They invoke some humor, but what they're doing is they're causing you to listen and they're owning it. They really are owning it and delivering a message that will uh, make you pay attention and they're there for your safety and they're making sure you're enjoying it all at the same time. And it's interesting. I've seen that on Southwest and I love the example of SoulCycle too, of the, you know, like you said, framework, but freedom within that framework. And I think there's an opportunity for a lot of us to do more of that. And I think we do get caught up a lot of times in just the framework, right? (laughs) And not necessarily moving past the, okay, now that the framework's there, like I want people to show up and be who they are, right? Um, that's what we're all looking for. I, I use an example when I'm talking to organizations. There was a woman who wrote in, uh, she actually wrote this on Facebook. It was a customer at Southwest. She wrote it on her Facebook about traveling with an infant. And she'd actually left her cell phone accidentally in the stroller that was put underneath the aircraft. And so when she asked the flight attendant, can we possibly get my cell phone back? The flight attendant was able to reach the ground crew and she got her cell phone back that was in the loose stroller. And she got it back before the flight took off. But when she opened her, turned her phone on, there was a, the first thing she saw was a photo of the two employees who actually found her cell phone. <laughs> so they, they took a selfie. That's awesome. And All of us as leaders should look at, we don't need a long rule book of how to solve every problem. We couldn't predict every problem. So nowhere in any uh, rule book at Southwest did it say, when you find a cell phone of a customer and you want to return it, take a selfie before you return it. But that shows so much personality. And of course, she wrote about it. and It was on Facebook. And it went viral from there. So how are we creating those situations where we literally are, are empowering our employees to enjoy their jobs and, uh, and not, not be so serious, not take ourselves too seriously? It comes down to, to values in a big way. And the second lie you talk about is that our values are on the wall. So <laughs> this is an interesting distinction because There's so much that's important about values, and yet so many organizations miss this. I recall having a client years ago, uh, Ginger, where I'd walk into the main lobby. In fact, there were several buildings, and we'd walk into the main lobby, and the values were, I don't even know how they did it. I mean, they'd literally emboss them into the wall as you walked into the facility, and it was beautiful. Like The values were all over the place, and yet if you asked any, because we were there doing some work around culture. When you'd ask employees, what are the values of this organization? Almost no one could come up with them. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like the extreme example of this, this lie that our values are on the wall, so we've done the work around values. And that's just, right. that's just not enough, is it? No. And that happens. Organizations spend so much time creating those values, but, and some of them go to the links that you're talking about, embossing them, putting, you know, carving them in stone. But if we don't bring them to life every day and make them real for our employees, uh, that's where we're falling short. So average companies work on their values and they put them out there and they might use them in onboarding or training or mention them with recognition. But 
best in class, if you truly want to be best in class, you make sure that your values start all the way with recruiting so that somebody coming into your organization knows the values that you're looking for. It goes through hiring. It goes through your onboarding process, training, job delivery. It's reinforced in recognition, and it goes all the way to performance management. So best-in-class organizations build that, build their values into every aspect of their jobs for their employees. So the example of performance management, I've seen organizations that put their values into every performance evaluation, and especially those of leaders, to make sure leaders really are modeling the kind of values that we want within the organization, that everyone is held accountable, and we bring them to life every day. And of course, one of the things I talk about a lot is the importance of storytelling and how storytelling, when we catch an employee doing something great, we capture that story. So I encourage people to list their values, you know, take a sheet of paper, draw, draw a vertical line down the middle, list their values. And could they tell a story that has occurred within their organization that brought a value to life? And so if you're listening as a leader, take that exercise, list your values. And can you correlate a story that you have observed Have you seen another leader do or an employee perform? And how are they bringing one of your values, whether it be grit or integrity or whatever your values might be, how are they bringing it to life? And from this moment forward, can you be a collector of stories in a way that will allow you to really bring your values to life? One of the other lies is culture is fluffy. And I I will admit to, I've been here too. And I bet you, you get this criticism a bunch, especially now as you've gone out and talked to other organizations. Because if you go on, say, for example, Southwest website and look at some of the cultural things, Ginger, there are some funny pictures of you on the internet (laughs) with like crazy hats and costumes. And I, and I think that the tendency for a lot of us is to look at that at an organization like Southwest that has a great culture and to go, well, that just wouldn't work at our organization. Like that's just too out there. When you hear that criticism, like how do you help leaders to navigate that? Yeah. So I get it. If someone's idea of culture is only balloons and streamers, I can see where that would scare some people. I understand that. Conversely, for people to say, oh, we have a ping pong table. We're cool. That's our culture. Well, they're missing the point if that's the only symbol they might have of their culture. So I talk to organizations about what I call return on culture. So what are the key metrics we can build in metrics that will show that we literally have a return on culture. So when we look at best-in-class organizations that are known for their culture, one that comes to mind is Chick-fil-A, wildly known for their strong culture. And they are number one in revenue per restaurant for the casual dining sector. Or you've got Trader Joe's, if you've experienced Trader Joe's, that organization leads in both uh, financial performance and consumer preference in the grocery sector. And then my favorite, Southwest Airlines, with 46 consecutive years of profitability. So as leaders, what are those 
key metrics, whether it's voluntary turnover, revenue per restaurant or revenue per sector in our organizations that can be tied back to the culture of our organization. But any of us can do that in our organizations is begin to track that difference uh, that our culture and our customer delivery is making and truly in our bottom line. But we've got to start first with our employees and empowering them before they can ever begin to serve our customers. Which is a perfect lead into the next slide, which is if I empower my employees, I might lose control, right? <laughs> so that's, that's right. And, and, we, and we might, but think about the overall opportunities that would come with that. And I've said it earlier, just don't be too formulaic and how we allow our employees to serve our customers because we're going to really miss some delightful surprises and how much more satisfaction our employees are going to get from their jobs if we allow them to lead in a way that would make a difference in our organizations every day and they feel empowered. I'm thinking back to things I've observed, and I'm sure that I've done this as a leader too, is the almost every organization espouses like we want to hear great ideas, we want to have constructive debate, and we want to really get the best. We want to hear the best ideas out there, and and yet <laughs> it tends to be an espouse value versus the what culture really is, which is like how do we do things around here, right? When people do bring ideas, they don't get an audience, or someone shoots them down really quickly. And for the person who's listening, who has espoused this. <laughs> like, I really want to encourage good ideas and encourage input and really embrace culture, but maybe finds that they're not getting the traction they wanted. What have you seen that's worked? Dave, I'm going to turn... Uh, one of the things I've seen that doesn't work is when an employee does something that still solves the customer's problem but it might not have been in the long list of rules. And we all know when we're in a customer situation where someone has a long list of rules. And when we do that, we're just really limiting our employees. So when, you, when we shut down an employee who solves a problem creatively, that's why that employee has no incentive to continue to show great customer service. And we're really turning off their delight that they're getting from their job. So I encourage leaders to have much more flexibility in how they allow their employees to serve others. I collect stories. I sometimes collect horror stories of customer service. So oh. a friend recently shared with me that they were trying to check into a hotel and they were a little early and the desk, uh, the person there at the desk said, well, it's $20 to check in before 1 p.m. And you know, my friend was like, well, that's just 11 minutes away. Oh, no. There's absolutely no flexibility. And I'm sure that employee was, you know, felt like they had to uphold that rule instead of saying, oh, no, just, you know, let me go ahead and help you here. It's 11 minutes. And what kind of rigidity are we placing our employees in where they're not able to give great customer service? How, how in our businesses are we putting those roadblocks and impediments in? So as leaders, how can we do away with those kind of roadblocks and allow more flexibility? I'm thinking specifically about Southwest and just all of the amazing wonderful stories we've seen over the years that have emerged and, and gone viral as a couple of things you mentioned. 
And it seems like that <clears throat> Southwest has figured out a way to have that framework, but to allow people to have that freedom. And, and they don't overshoot. <laughs> they don't get themselves into trouble. It doesn't cause uh, all kinds of problems for the organization. I, and I, so I guess I'm, maybe two questions here. I'm wondering, does it ever happen that someone overshoots and kind of like takes that too far? And if so, like, how does the organization respond to that where there is too much freedom? And what do you do in that situation where the, the opposite happens? Well, if someone d- does go too far, it goes back to coaching and well, the title of your coaching for leaders. Yeah, so yeah. How, how do you go back and how do you coach in that situation in a way that the employee can maintain their dignity and know what the boundaries are? And that's a coaching opportunity. How are you going in and giving that feedback as quickly as you can? in a way that maintains the self-respect of the individuals and showing them another another way of doing it. And I'm guessing that comes back to the values conversation too of how does the interaction that didn't quite land the way it should have come back to the values that are key for the organization. Right. Because if we come down too hard on that individual, we could potentially squash their creativity for a very long period of time, but guiding them back into the right parameters of of what would be acceptable. And it's a matter of coaching. I'm thinking about some of the examples you cited earlier of some of the organizations that have really just made some impressive uh, investments in culture. And I I use investments broadly because one of the other lies, uh, the fifth lie is, we can't afford culture. And that is, I don't know if people always say that out loud, but certainly there is that thought that is the stopping point of, oh, if we're going to have a great culture, we have to do the offsites and we need to have great incentives for people and we need to have all the things that cost a lot of money. And you say that that's a lie, that that isn't, that isn't necessarily the case. Why is it a lie? Well, I get it. Culture does not have to cost a lot to be effective. But I understand for some of us, our spirit is willing, but our budget is weak. So how do mm. we go about addressing that? And there, there are lots of ways to do it. And number one, as a leader, is to live your values. It costs you nothing to live the values and set that example, model the kind of behavior you're looking for, because nothing can turn your culture toxic faster than you or any of your other leaders not walking the talk. And as a leader, how we act always trumps what we say. So how are we doing that, living those values uh, every day? Another thing as a leader, it doesn't cost us anything to boost our leadership visibility. How are we going out there being face-to-face with our employees? And it just gives them that instant pop of engagement when we see the leader out there caring about it. So just like you calendar other meetings, calendar intentional time to be out there with your employees. The opposite end of that, I I once encountered an organization, this is a true story, that had its own elevator just for executives. So executives wouldn't have to uh, interact with, with their employees. So that is the opposite of leadership visibility. And, and that's kind of crazy. And another thing that we can all do is, and this will take time, but be inclusive in decision-making. So how are we including our employees in the decisions that we're making? They can't be involved in every, every decision, obviously, but how are we taking the decisions that impact our employees on the front line? People are actually doing whatever job and making sure that we have 
thoroughly have their input before we go about making changes. An example of that was when Southwest changed their uniforms, which are a very personal part of many in our organizations, many of our employees. They literally allowed employees to apply to be part of that decision-making process. And they, they did wear testing. They, so they created uh, a really home run by involving so many employees in that decision-making process about the new uniforms and what they would look like. Because we all know uh, it's more difficult to criticize a decision when you helped make it. Yeah, indeed. And I'm thinking about the visibility elevators, like such an extreme example of that, right? Um, <laughs> but, you know, it happens right. almost, it seems like every day I run in this. Just yesterday, I was I took our kids to, I won't name the name of the organization, but it's a it's one of these kids adventure like places that you go and they have all kinds of like rides and amusements and things like that. Our kids love it as all young children love that stuff. And it's a cool place and they always have a blast, but it is the most apathetic group of employees I have ever seen in my entire life. And I don't blame the employees because I, I, I went online and looked at some of the reviews that people wrote and clearly everyone else has had a very similar experience. And I've never seen a manager there. I've never seen someone walking around or training someone. It's where we started. It's default culture. It's like showing up and, you know, here's the part-time employees we hired and just just kind of like show up with this apathy versus taking the time to be visible and to define the culture. And the leader does or doesn't really lead how how that culture is defined and how that shows up on a regular basis and not just what, you know, are on the values on the wall. So, I mean, what you, those are probably a lot of a part-time uh, summer employees. Oh, and yeah. What more fun job can you have than working in a water park? Oh my gosh. That I, could have been the best <laughs> job on the planet. And I, you're probably right. It has a lot to do with that lack of encouragement, that lack of support. And as leaders, how do, how do we translate that back into our business and not making that mistake? Yeah. Oh, gosh. So, All right. So much we can do coming out of this conversation. And I'm hoping that you're hearing a whole bunch of things, but at least one thing that, as you've heard what Ginger's told us, that you can go and apply and utilize. And we're going to try and make this as easy as possible for you. Um, So one of the things you've put together, Ginger, as you did last time, is an overview of some of these lies and some of the practical starting points for leaders who want to really dive in more on this. And we've got a page set up, and your folks have set up a page for folks to dive in more on that. So could you tell us where to go and what's there if people dive in there? Yes. So we have a page set up for you just go to unstoppableculturesfellowship.com slash coaching for leaders. And I've got a one-pager PDF that recaps the different lies we all tell ourselves about why we can't change culture with ideas about how you really can do it. And I really loaded you up on the last one about uh, free activities. I gave you probably about eight things that you can do that are free activities as a leader to really jumpstart your culture. Oh, nice. Thank you so much for doing that. And I, I'm just so honored you listen to the show too. I just, boy, talk about making my week. Thank you for the privilege you've, <laughs> you've given me. So before I let you go, as you know, since you listen to the show... <laughs> The uh, one of the questions I often ask is, "What have you changed your mind on?" And you had this amazing career at Southwest Airlines, leading probably you know the the greatest corporate culture that most of us know of. And in the last couple of years, you stepped aside from that, and now you are working with other organizations and going out and hosting the fellowship. Which, by the way, we didn't mention. You have hosted 
a fellowship for leaders. And some of our listeners have actually participated in that in the past. But let's say something about that. I'm, I'm really curious, like, what is the fellowship before I even ask you the final question? Yes, thank you. Well, I would, I would love to have some of your listeners. I'd like to have all of your listeners participate. That would be great. It's a masterclass experience. It's a four-day fellowship where you get together with like-minded CEOs, chief culture officers, leaders, nonprofits, all types of organizations, but their commonality is as they want to improve the culture of their organization. It's in Santa Fe, New Mexico. It's four days. We not only with the, you do you get to interact with the participants, but we also bring some outstanding leaders. David Salyers, an original Chick-fil-A marketing executive, comes in at, at time as one of the coaches. Rourke Denver, a former Navy SEAL commander. And if you Google Rourke, you'll find about what an outstanding leader he has been. And then this year, we're also bringing in the Speaker of the House from Zappos. Eric is going to be with us, and we'll get to hear more and more of the stories about Zappos that is so well known. So we bring in a lot of outstanding leaders to speak about the culture of their organizations. We have a lot of surprises, but everyone leads with a culture blueprint, because we're all coming in at different points in our culture journey, but everyone leads with their own customized culture blueprint that they help develop of how they want to go back and improve, enhance, and continue to sustain the culture in their organizations. Oh, great. And and that's actually a perfect lead into what I was going to ask you on what you've, what you've changed your mind on, because as the last couple of years, you've really moved out of the Southwest universe and now are working with all kinds of organizations and you've engaged with the fellowship and you've had so many people come to you for advice. I'm really curious, what have you changed your mind on in the last few years around culture? I, I, one of the, I think the thing that has really deepened for me is that culture is everyone's job and that it has just become more apparent that all of the leaders and how all of the leaders in the organization pulling together and what a difference it can make when we have that consistency of leadership throughout the organization. So I guess for me, it's something that's really just become reaffirmed. It's something that we can't skip over is the, the importance of every of the leaders pulling together. That culture is everyone's job in the organization and how as leaders can we go about trying to make sure that we create that kind of environment where our employees act like owners. Ginger Hardage is the former Senior Vice President of Culture at Southwest Airlines and leading Unstoppable Cultures. Ginger, thank you so much for your wisdom and experience. So grateful for it. Dave, thank you for what you're doing to change the lives of leaders every day. And it's great to talk to you again. And I love listening to you and Bonnie all the time. Ah, the feeling is mutual. If this conversation was useful to you, several other episodes that will also help. One of them is episode 148, The Four Critical Stories Leaders Need for Influence. My guest was David Hutchins on that episode. You heard Ginger talk about the importance of storytelling, both in this conversation and the last time she was on the show. 
And of course, you've heard the theme of storytelling as a skill for leaders, uh, not only here on the show, but inevitably you've heard that other places as well. And yet it is something a lot of us struggle with of where to begin in telling stories or at least doing a better job with that. Episode 148 is not the answer to that question, but it is for sure a starting point. David Hutchins and I talked about what are four stories that if you can start with of being able to tell as a leader, if you've got those four down, or at least start thinking about those four, uh, you'll be on the path to doing that a lot better than most leaders do. And in that episode, we walk through the framework for how to do that. So it's a great starting point for you if you'd like to dive in more on that. Also helpful to you will be episode 327, Notice and Change Dysfunctional Culture with my guest, Jonathan Raymond. Uh, Jonathan's also been on the show several times. Uh, His book, Good Authority is a wonderful resource for leaders and managers who who want to uh, really uh, use accountability well. He has a great accountability dial in that book, which we've talked about on past episodes. And he also has a ton of great thinking on how to affect culture in an effective way. It's a great complement to today's conversation. So if you are in the midst of thinking about cultural change, he's another person you should know and be thinking about as far as what you may do and where you may start on cultural change. Again, that's episode 327. And then, of course, I recommend the last time Ginger was on the show, How to Create an Unstoppable Culture. We talked about some of the key tenets from her work uh, over the years at Southwest Airlines. She highlighted a number of things we didn't have a chance to get into today. So a great compliment as well to today's conversation. That is episode 350. You'll find all of those on the coachingforleaders.com website. You'll also see the uh, related episodes recommended each week in the Wednesday Leadership Guide. I always uh, highlight those and give you a chance to dive in further on some of these topics. The best way to get access to the weekly Leadership Guide and also to be able to track down all of the past episodes searchable by topic is to establish your free membership on the coachingforleaders.com website. You can do that by just going over to coachingforleaders.com, set up your free membership. You'll be off and running in about a minute or so. It'll give you the chance to be able to search everything in the library by topic. It'll give you access to that weekly leadership guide. And there's a ton more inside the free membership that will be extremely helpful to you. One of the resources that's there is the course catalog. And if you've been in the website recently, you'll see there's a little uh, tab for audio courses. And the audio course that's there right now is the 10 ways to empower the people you lead. If you've started listening to the show recently or you haven't set up your free membership, it's a great way to get an overview of many of the lessons that we've talked about on the show since 2011. And I'm in the midst of working on a new audio course, which uh, I'll have more information about soon and will be up there available free for everyone as well in the next couple of months. So watch out for that and set up your access at coachingforleaders.com to uh, get that all set for you. Have a wonderful week and I'll see you next Monday for our next conversation. Take care.